Now I want to uh, read uh, um, from the text from uh, Deuteronomy 33 that I'm preaching from, which is Deuteronomy 33, verse 27, which is on page 209. The eternal God is your dwelling place. And actually, just half the text I'm actually preaching on is, and underneath are the everlasting arms. And he thrust out his enemy before you and said, destroy. But I'm preaching from that that phrase, and underneath are the everlasting arms. Let's now pray that the Lord will um, open his word to us. Oh, Father in heaven, we... We cannot make progress in spiritual things unless you speak to our hearts. And then help us, Lord, to follow, to obey. And so we ask you, Lord, may your Holy Spirit please grant that we will understand and obey um, what you say in your word tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, this text, which I've lifted out of its context, um, is the culmination, I believe, of... um, all of Moses' general, or sorry, individual accounts of blessings on particular tribes, which he then extends really to the whole of Israel. And, uh, and he says to the whole of Israel that underneath, underneath are the everlasting arms. Now, I think it's perfectly valid on the basis of Scripture as a whole to see that this is applicable to the church of God. Uh, the Jewish tribes were the Old Testament church. And we, and indeed our Jewish brothers and sisters who've come to Christ and have Jesus as their Messiah, we're all joined together in the contemporary world as being people upon whom these promises, these truths have fallen. Underneath you are the everlasting arms. Underneath us are the everlasting arms. And that phrase is so so uh, deep in its, in its meaning and its, uh, and its comfort and encouragement and strengthening to our hearts. I think that's why it's, I would like to preach about, about it tonight. But I, note, I want you to notice this, that of course, the teaching of, of this, uh, this particular scripture um, is in the context of a belief that God is all-powerful and is present everywhere. Now, that's a kind of a two-edged, you know, two-edged razor, razor blade. Uh, in the old days, they only used to have two-edged razor blades. Uh, today, they're very expensive. Um, but uh, the two-edged razor blade, of course, is one that you have to handle very carefully because it can actually can cut and wound. The truth about the omnipresence of God, that God is everywhere is something that actually can be not only very comforting for those who are saved, but can be incredibly frightening. God is everywhere. Where shall I go from your presence? The the, uh, writer of Psalm Psalm uh, 139 says, but also um, the Psalms talks about the fact that our secret sins are seen in the light of his presence. The most holy, pure, just force in the whole universe is the spectator of our secret sins and our open sins. Um, we, we sang, didn't we? Our secret sins, our open sins may all you know, be, be, uh, be cleansed and forgiven. But it can be frightening. Um, indeed, um, 
Psalm 90, which, which was written by Moses, says, You set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. Now notice the contrast. Moses writes those words in this great psalm, Psalm 90. And yet, in this, just before he died, he, he says this to, to all believers. Underneath you are the everlasting arms. And these everlasting arms are clearly not the everlasting arms of wrath but the everlasting arms of a loving father. And, uh, I mean, the, the, the expression, underneath of the everlasting arms, is something which I guess many people, like ordinary pagan people today in Britain, wouldn't have a concept of. Indeed, Hollywood um, um, named a horror film, What Lies Beneath. Um, and... Uh, Indeed, down through the ages, cultures have always thought of the lower world, that which is underneath to be a place of horror and darkness. The Greeks thought of, you know, the place underneath, the place of departed spirits. But here we are told specifically that beneath the horror of this world, beneath the horror even of, uh, of the gloom and terror of, of uh, the, the worst Imaginations of man, beneath all of that is the everlasting arms of God. We may pass through the gloomy depths of death, but those who are trusting Christ and believe in him will find the everlasting loving arms of God enfolding us. What, what, what does this mean in terms of the actual meaning of, of uh, these scriptural words? I mean, we... We define a scriptural word by, of course, other scriptures. And we know that in, in scripture, an arm is often, uh, and God's mighty arms are, are referred to as, as uh, dealing with his omnipotent strength. Uh, Psalm 89 verse 13. You have a mighty arm, strong in your hand. Your, your, your right hand is high and mighty. And... Uh, so the reference to the arms of God is the everlasting arms are under you is referring to the God who has created the, the billions of, of galaxies by his, by, his mere, by his mere calling them into existence. This powerful, incredible being. His strength and power is undergirding every Christian and indeed is undergirding the church. The other thing about arms in the Bible is... Of course, arms suggest affection. When Jesus uh, was talking about the prodigal son, you know, this, this young man who'd come to his father and basically uh, told his father in a very rude and, and uh, very rebellious way, really, that he wanted his inheritance before his father died and then went off and took the inheritance and wasted it on prostitutes and drunk, drink and, and uh, dissolute living. When this son finally was reduced to, to just absolute misery and despair and starving and working for a pittance and living in the, amongst pigs, which was cursed by the Jews as a, an occupation. When this, when this son finally made his way back, and he, he had changed his mind, he was repentant. He was going to say to his father, I've sinned against heaven and I, I, I've, you know, I, 
I don't deserve to be treated your son. Make me one of your hired servants. What does the father do? And Jesus said this. Jesus used these words, and I'll, I'll read them. He arose and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him, his arms around him and kissed him. And so underneath are the everlasting arms are talking about the incredible love and affection of God for his people. The fact that we put the qualifier infinite in front of any quality that God has makes it spectacularly applicable to everybody in the world. The fact is that, that um, a mother is able to, to show affection to two children at once. You've often seen mums going down the road, you know, a very small infant in one hand and, and with another child in the other, and they're both seeking the affection of, of the mum and she gives it. And of course, sometimes you see mums crawling with kids all over them, all of them wanting attention, and the mother doing her best to give it as much affection as she can to all of them all at once. It's very difficult to do that, isn't it? But if a mum can love a few children at once, how much more can the infinite God of all creation show love to every single one of his hundreds of millions of children that are alive today, and indeed the hundreds of millions have lived down through history? Underneath are the everlasting arms to everyone who believes in, G in the Lord Jesus Christ and has been saved. Every one of his children. We're never truly alone. You know, sometimes we go through times we lose loved ones through death. Uh, we have sometimes problems, broken marriages, broken relationships. Maybe we can be in a country in which we don't know many people and we feel alone. But the, those who trust in Christ are always undergirded by the everlasting arms of God. Um, Isaiah, who I read from in Isaiah 40 earlier in the service, Isaiah, God spoke through Isaiah and he said this, God will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather his lambs in his arms and he will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. Now in God revealing to Isaiah these words and these concepts, the invisible, infinite God of the Bible is telling us that that is how God feels about us if we trust him. And not just when we're young. Isaiah 46 verse 4 says, Even to your old age, I am he. And to your gray hairs, I will carry you. I have made and I will bear you. I will carry you and I will save. Underneath are the everlasting arms. For those of us who are getting old, like me, what a, what a comfort, what a blessing it is to know that actually he will carry us. And we'll, we'll think um, later on about that in a bit more detail. But not only through every changing scene of life, whether we're young, Eight, nine years old, teenagers, 20 years old, 30-somethings. Underneath us are the everlasting arms. What a, what a promise. But even when we fall, he will hold us. In Psalm 34, verses 19 to 20, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones, not one of them is broken. Well, what about when people do fall? Well, there's a f famous fall of a Christian man in, uh, in the Gospels. 
Remember, Jesus, uh, Jesus uh, warned Peter that he was going to, to actually be in big trouble. He said to, to Peter, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan, Satan has demanded to have you that you might be sifted like wheat. And we know what happened when Satan was able to sift him like wheat. How did he sift him? Well, firstly, Peter had a temptation to violence, to take it into his own hands. And he, and he tried to use violence. In fact, he tried to kill someone to protect Jesus. And then, once, he, once Jesus forbade him doing that, and his emotions were turned upside down, then when Jesus was captured, he seemed to have entered a pit of despair. He seemed to want to give up. It, it seemed almost as if, oh, oh, well, I might as well stop being a disciple of Jesus. And when uh, he was challenged over a campfire by a young woman, we all know the story very well, he cursed and said, I had nothing to do with this man. You're trying to identify me as one of his followers. Nothing to do with me. Only an hour before, he was prepared to, to get involved in a fight killing people and perhaps being killed. But now, suddenly, it was all gone. He was sifted like wheat. And he was found to be not much wheat, but lots of dross inside. And we're told he went out and wept bitterly. But here is the thing. Jesus said, I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you've turned again, strengthen your brothers. Underneath him were the everlasting arms. How wonderful it is that you may be, and there may be someone online that is a backslidden Christian that's made a total mess of your life, and you may think, God never will have me back. You've got it wrong. Underneath you are his everlasting arms. And if you have true faith, you will turn. You will repent. And you will not only repent and change your life with God's help, you will then strengthen your fellow Christians. And you will be useful in the, in the, in the, the work of God. The everlasting arms are beneath us. Now again, we might look at the, you know, the modern world and think about the challenges of living in uh, 21st century Britain. We might be thinking sometimes that evil is completely out of control when we look at the way children are being indoctrinated with the most most perverse and evil ideas um, um, in the sense that they're going to be really hurt by these ideas. It's terrible to, to cause a child uh, to fall into, into uh, sin and, and, and evil ways by indoctrinating them. Jesus warned that you know, it would be better for you, you, know, if you if you were cast to the bottom of the sea with, a, with an anchor around your neck than actually to do that. And yet we're seeing it happening all over the country. Millions of people living a godless life, breaking his laws all of the time. We might think evil is out of control. We might think, oh, it's all over. But no. The Bible tells us, Ephesians 1 verse 11, we've obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will. God allows things to happen but he's working them to, uh, according to the counsel of his will. His mind is beyond our, our understanding. We are totally un, unable to, to, to process uh, the mind of God. It is infinite. His wisdom is unsearchable. But he is, God is working all of these things according to the counsel of his will. While sa Satan is digging down underneath the foundation of our society and of our lives... And it, things seem to be getting worse. The Lord is deeper than that. 
and will destroy every plan of the evil one. We think Satan's winning. We see sometimes our, our Christian friends, brothers, ministers dying young. We see others falling away. We think, well, Satan is winning. Church is closing down. But no. Everything, everything that is happening is happening according to the counsel of God's will. And beneath every Christian is his everlasting arms. And beneath the church is his everlasting arms. This is the great point of stability in this world full of terrible shocks, wars, political earthquakes, uncertain times. Isaiah again. Isaiah 33 verse 6. He will be, God will be, the stability of your times. Abundance of salvation, wisdom and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is Zion's treasure. So we shouldn't dread anyone. Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Who shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? The Lord wants us to take these into our own lives um, to remove the negative dread of future events that easily can creep in. Underneath us is his everlasting arms. Now, this is a great comfort to us when we go through great stresses, great mental turmoil, traumas, mental illness. And many of us may go through such terrible times, uh, stress, agony, trauma that we've never had up till now. Many of us may grow old, may get, get a, f- a form of dementia, and the prospect of some years of lo- losing our memories. Many of us may have a mental illness of certain, of certain kind that may come over us. But here is the promise. Underneath all of these deep and dark and agonizing experiences are the everlasting arms. Are the everlasting everlasting arms of a loving, tender father who loves you. And although the whole world may seem to be against you, although everything may seem to be dark and going wrong, underneath all of that is the everlasting arms of the father. Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And the reason why... uh, 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 the promise is made by the Lord. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Is of course because his everlasting arms are strong to save, strong to keep, strong to comfort. So when facing death, as each one of us must do, and some of us uh, face it you know, sooner than others uh, in the normal course of events, when facing death... The knowledge that we are held by the everlasting arms of God beneath us are a great comfort. Hudson Taylor um, was a marvelous missionary who founded the China and the Mission in 1865 after being in China for about 12 years. And this provided an amazing, amazing uh, foundation for uh, the new Chinese uh, um, the new Chinese outreach that went in the end of the 19th century. But when he was old and dying... He was so weak at times, he could do very little. And he wrote to a friend, he said, for a lot of, he said, for a lot of time, he said, I'm so weak, I cannot work, I cannot read my Bible, I cannot even pray. I can only lie still in God's arms like a little child and trust. 
this great spiritual giant was at times reduced to being not even able to pray or he was so weak as, as he got closer and closer to death but he could rest in the arms of his loving heavenly father what a marvelous privilege this is to us isn't it what a wonderful thing this is the everlasting arms of god are a motivation for us aren't they as we live in this world to work work harder for the lord if you've got the everlasting arms of the lord beneath you god's love surrounding you well, what have you got to what have you got to fear be bold when the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco was being built, um, no safety devices were used. 23 men fell to their deaths. However, in the final part of the project, they decided to put a, a very large net, an incredibly large net, underneath where the wor workers were working. As a result of this, at least 10 men fell into the net and their lives were saved. Now, what was even more interesting was this, was not only that there were so many lives saved by this net, but the men worked harder. 25% more work was done a day by these men who had a safety net. Because they were assured of their safety, they, were, they went straight ahead, roaring ahead with the work. Now, we as believers, we sometimes get tired and intimidated. We feel, oh, well, maybe things, you know, things aren't going very well. I'm in the open air sometimes as a preacher and no one seems to listen on a particular occasion and I might think, oh, well, maybe I won't do it again, you know, <laughs> give it a rest for a few years. Um, the thing is this, the everlasting arms of God are beneath us as we do our Christian work, as we do our children's work, as we, as we do our, uh, as our work at home, our daily work, as we witness for Christ, as we support the church. The everlasting arms are beneath us. His love and affection, the Father's love and affection is all around us. And we may trust that indeed the work we do for the Lord, there will be fruit. We can, we can, it's a motivation to bravery in the cruelest of circumstances. I was reading about a, an American who was imprisoned in a, in a Japanese um, prisoner of war camp in the Second World War. And you were only allowed one blanket in this camp, and he actually smuggled a Bible into the, into the, uh, into the camp. And uh, he carried this Bible hidden on death marches. He saw hundreds of other friends and prisoners die. Um, he went on prison ships, hidden it, hid it, and finally ended up in a prison camp um, where he gave it to the church. Now, according to the American Bible Society... As a result of this one Bible, many received hope in Christ and, and were sought salvation before they died from starvation and disease. And by the end of the war, now I can't vouch for the absolute certainty of the, the large statistic, but certainly there's every reason to believe that most of these people did come to the Lord. 1,500 prisoners turned to Christ because of the preaching from the Bible this man brought in. Now, where do you get the boldness to do that? You might face death for carrying a Bible. Well, underneath are the everlasting arms, and I will trust the Lord. Let's not serve God on the basis of sight, but faith in his everlasting arms, the strength and the love of his arms that are beneath us every day. Serving in a small church is very difficult for all of us, 
Particularly, I would say, for Henry, who's been, and Vicky, together, who've been serving in this place for getting on for, for four decades, it's very difficult. Sometimes, you know, sometimes elders and, and, and uh, um, pastors, you know, are so, can be so discouraged by criticisms, people leaving, uh, upsets, all kinds of things that can happen. That is why we need those who are pastors, those who are preachers, those who are elders, those who are uh, leaders of Sunday schools and leaders of Christian work need to know that underneath, undergirding your work are the everlasting arms of God who has a purpose and he will work out everything according to the purpose of his, of his will. And uh, so finally I want to say this, that these, these wonderful arms of God which are underneath the people of God, they're also, we're told, where they're stretched out in another sense. Isaiah, again, Isaiah 65, verse 2. I spread out my hands, meaning I spread out my arms, all the day to a rebellious people who walk in a way that is not good following their own devices. Jesus said about Jerusalem, How often would I have gathered your children together as a hand gathers her brood under her wings? Wings being like the arms of the, of the, of the hen. But you were not willing. And both to people who are yet unsaved that may be listening online or even in the church, the Lord is holding out his arms to you. Come, come, come to Christ. Receive eternal life. Receive forgiveness. Receive a new life. He says to backsliding people I referred to earlier on, come and trust in Jesus again for the forgiveness of your sins. And he will receive you back. Don't reject these saving arms. Don't reject these arms that are spread out to, to you. And also, once you come into his embrace, are underneath you and will carry you. Don't reject them. In 1829, a Philadelphian called George Wilson uh, robbed the U.S. mails and killed someone. He was eventually found guilty, sentenced to death. But then a pardon was obtained. I don't know how he got that pardon, but a pardon was obtained from him from the death penalty from Andrew Jackson. Jackson. But he refused the pardon. And uh, it went all the way to the Supreme Court because people said, oh, he's got a pardon, so you've got to release him, but he wouldn't take it. And the Supreme Court decided that a pardon is a piece of paper and it's got no value until it's actually received by the person named on it. And eventually, because George Wilson, for whatever reason, refused the pardon, he was hanged. Now, this actually is the situation of today. God opens his, ha- opens his arms and, and says, Jesus Christ, my son, died on the cross for sinners, that sinners may be forgiven, may receive eternal life. And he offers this to you, but you must receive this offer of life. You must write your name on the paper. You must say, yes, the Father has pardoned me because Jesus Christ died in my place. You must trust that in your heart and receive him. Otherwise, you will be lost, as indeed that particular man called George Wilson was, was, was lost. And the same goes for backslidden believers. Do you really want to go on all of your life? Do I, I, would I really want to go on for all of my life with the same backslidden, disobedient, 
unclean life compared to being back in the arms of the Lord, walking with him, walking in the light, and rejoicing in Christ. Yes, if you're a backslidden Christian, I want to say I don't think you will be lost. I don't think just because you're backsliding you'll be lost. But what you will lose is the joy and peace and comfort of living with Christ in this world today. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we thank you for the fact that your everlasting arms are underneath us. Lord, our future is in your hands. And Lord, your love and grace and power is involved in our salvation. Thank you, Lord, for giving us faith in these promises. Thank you, Lord, for overlooking all of the times, Lord, uh, that we have uh, uh, turned away from you in the past. Lord, you've hid your face from our sins. Oh, Lord, how how wonderful uh, is the salvation that you offer us. Our sins are blotted out. And, Lord, you will remember our sins no more. We thank you for this, and we pray, Lord, help us, Lord, in these days to be able to live completely um, all out for you, confident that you are... Uh, your love uh, is, is uh, all around us. Uh, your, your kindness is uh, complete for us. And your Holy Spirit is available for our energizing. We pray, Lord, please uh, help us to serve you in this coming week with great energy. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.